0: you hear that you guys we made it it's almost over 2020 is about to wrap up talk about building resilience if you live through 2020 and I'm assuming if you're listening to this you are indeed alive you undoubtedly grew this year probably against your will but you did and you made it and it's almost done but before that December for me is the month of hope joy, the birth of Jesus. It's a great month and I'm choosing this year to let it be the best month of the year to slow down, to breathe deep, and to just celebrate that this year is done. This dumpster fire is almost behind us. More hope, more joy, more merry merry, and just a little more Jody to get you ready for Christmas. Thanks for tuning in. This is really neat, you guys. Today I'm talking to Kayla Johnson. She wrote the personal stories of women overcoming hardship in a book called The Luminary Bakery Cookbook. So it's interesting, it is a social enterprise bakery out of London, England that takes women off the streets, out of trafficking, out of prostitution, gives them hope and purpose. You have to go buy this cookbook. I am so excited about it. Kayla is a girl from small town Manitoba who overcame her big, big fears years ago and moved to London, England to work with those less fortunate, to work in a pub church, to do a whole bunch of really unique things. Kayla is fun and quirky, and she does not take herself too seriously, which I adore. She's a coffee snob and a novice baker, even though she wrote for a cookbook. She wanted to be a singer her whole life and cannot sing, but I think she has found her true purpose in storytelling. So please join me today. You will love this podcast. Oh, and go buy that cookbook. Good morning, yeah. Kayla Johnson, and welcome to the More Jodi Podcast. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so happy, <laughs> and I have to say, like, I hope everyone finds my voice really sexy, because it mm. is 6.30 in the morning in, where am I? Vancouver Island, and <laughs> what time is it in London, England, where you are?
1: It is 2.30 in the afternoon.
0: There you go. So you're just, like, in the middle of your day, and I'm just hatching. So I have yeah. a- I haven't spoken. This is the first time I've ever done a podcast where I haven't said a word yet out loud at my house. So excited to have you on here. And what I have to say is before we get started, I just want to talk a little bit about this cookbook. So okay. I'm gonna get you to explain to people a little bit of the background about the Luminary Bakery because I think it makes me want to start my own bakery. It is like the coolest, yeah, the absolute coolest. So I ordered my cookbook, um, Hmm. and when I got it, I promptly made the pumpkin cornbread chili muffins for guests.
1: Um, yes.
0: Super yummy. The best, mm-hmm. most, most moist, ooh, most moist pumpkin muffins <laughs> ever. They were moist and delicious. I
1: love it. I love, love it. it. <laughs>
0: um, and what I really, what I noticed first, because I'm, I love mm. to cook, was that yeah. a lot of the ingredients for a bakery are super nutrient dense. So, you know, you've got your, your olive oil, you've got your apple cider Mm -hmm. vinegar, you've got your coconut Mm -hmm. sugar. So they're doing stuff that makes me feel like this is a bakery item, but this is actually really good for my body. Mm. So that was like something as like a mom and someone who actually really cares about what we put in our bodies that I really loved
1: and was surprised by then and don't anyone worry because let me tell you there's definitely the indulgent ones in there too. Okay.
0: <laughs> I lost all the people who are like it's a cookbook with like healthy things
1: what? yeah yeah no don't don't you worry I made some ones and I was like how much sugar and I just kept pouring <laughs> and then how they were like butter? more sugar
0: yeah <laughs> the the recipes like the one I just opened to right now, rhubar straw, oh my gosh, I have not enough coffee in me strawberry, rhubarb, and tarragon turnovers, so like just the way like really oh like the flavors are super intricate, so yeah, i'm you're impressed by the sugary ones. I'm impressed by the ones I can make for my family and not feel like guilty, you know, and, um, I love it. But in between each recipe is the story of a woman that makes me want to like cry and hug her. And so, yeah, I think everyone needs to go. I ordered mine on Amazon. I don't know where else they sell them. Mm -hmm. Kayla, where else can you get this cookbook? Uh,
1: in Canada, I think you can get it at like, uh, Indigo as well.
0: So in between each recipe, mostly, mm. is the yeah. story of a woman. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the bakery itself and the goal and mm. intention of the bakery and then the goal and intention of the cookbook before we yes. get learning yes. about, more about you?
1: Yes. And if my hair, you know, because I'm wearing headphones, causes chaos in the microphone, just let me know. Because Let's just stop. You know, Let's
0: stop and talk about (laughs) your hair. So to give a little background, I knew Kayla. I met you in 2005. Mm -hmm. So how old would that have made you in 2005? 18. 18 oh my gosh, little
1: sugar, little babe.
0: Babe. (laughs) And you used to try, oh gosh, excuse me. You used to try and straighten your hair. And Mm -hmm. when I put up the picture for this, this episode, everyone will understand like you have hair that I I just want to put my fingers into. It's like, (laughs) it is, it is by far my favorite physical trait on you. Like, I think it is absolutely the most stunning you <laughs> like it is so cool, but it's so interesting too to know that you fought that as a kid, as all kids yeah. do. We never mm-hmm. want what we have, mm-hmm. um, and how it's like one of your greatest physical assets. Like it is just the coolest. So, yeah, your hair could um, be a problem with Jody. Your It's hard to say. <laughs> it's a good problem to have, though. It's a good problem uh, to have. People so.
1: definitely, they're the biggest request I get from people, strangers included, about my hair is. They want to watch the spring back from the curls. So they want to pull it down and release it. And I have had strangers pull one down without requesting that awkward moment, standing on the tube
0: oh underground.
1: Gosh. That is. Yeah. And you're is, like, someone literally just like boinged my hair. That's a really bad way of saying it. <laughs>
0: Well, whatever, you know, I know
1: it's out there now, <laughs> it's out there
0: now. it happened. I can't edit that out if it's too juicy. And my yeah. son has old grandmas touch his hair all the time. They're like, they just don't ask like, old, well, cause he's little. So people always think they can do whatever they want to little yeah. kids. And he's like, Which is weird. I know. And he's like, I don't want to be able to touch it. I'm like, it, your hair is inviting. I can't, some things can't like be <laughs> so yes. No, if your hair is a problem, we'll totally,
1: we'll just roll with it. It'll be, t- it'll be okay, just so fine. Little cool so <laughs> detour coming back the the stories within rising hope are about the women that have come through the doors of luminary bakery so whether they are you know bakers or volunteers or uh ambassadors cuz we have some of our ambassadors that are in there that have been on the great bridge bake off and everything um you know whether Whatever role they played within Luminary, there's you know, a trace of them within this cookbook. And that's what makes it beautiful is that there's so many different voices within Mm. it. And um, my role in co-authoring it was to write the stories and some of the copies that go with the recipes. The stories specifically came from the graduates from Luminary Bakery because we're a social enterprise bakery. And we work with women who have experienced extreme disadvantage. So that could be any anywhere from gender-based violence. So prostitution or um, domestic violence, trafficking, any of those um, also including, you know, mental health and um, other forms of extreme disadvantage. And so we work with women, um, uh, training them in baking skills, but also entrepreneurial skills. Hope and uh, desire is to empower, to reach independence. So so you, our role is drawing out. It's Mm -hmm. not, you know, we're not, we're not, uh, saviors or or helping them with something. It's, it's almost off offering an opportunity and drawing out something that was already within them. And it's like, I think that's something we can all relate to, you know, watching, especially now with so many women speaking up and everything, um, Mm -hmm. there's something so empowering about watching someone step into their own brilliance. And and then you want to like step into your own brilliance and then the list goes on and on. So I think that's, that's something that we hold really, really dear at Luminary. um, And we really wanted to highlight within this. um, And you did, you did
0: so well. Like I just, I was like in tears and I got shivers. I think just knowing like that is so, I could cry. Like that's so powerful mm. and so beautiful. And to have, mm. um, have a bakery like that, that is, is like really, I would say rising hope. Good job taking <laughs> the title. I was going to say this, Thank like you. <laughs> bringing, bringing hope, like people mm. die from despair. And mm. I think so many women in those situations or homeless women, and so often it's homeless mothers, right? Mm. Like now they have children that they can't they're, they're so broken that even for them to take care of themselves is such a struggle. And now they have a little person they love. And it's Mm. just like, the whole thing is, um, brokenness is just so deep. Right. Mm. And so to know what you guys are doing in London is just mind blowing. That is absolutely Mm. so cool. So the stories are just so touching. And then all of a sudden you turn over and you're like, Oh, brownies.
1: Yeah. One of right. My favorite actually my favorite parts about this was like um, being able to intertwine the stories with the recipes.
0: because
1: right. um, you know there is one of Sarah. Sarah shares her story and it comes with like this pistachio cake that's glorious. Um, that's an indulgent one. Um, but Sarah's story is so intertwined because it's one of the first um, recipes that she uh, baked. And it was exploring before she even joined luminary, so so she's like really mastered this recipe, but it was like she shares about the process of of baking it and everything and it's it's just such a a cool way to see how like something like baking can play an impact and be like hidden behind the scenes of someone's life as they're like growing and developing and um, just being empowered throughout life, so there's lots of little like yeah. fun little bits of that intertwined,
0: well, and then, like cardamom millionaire's shortbread. first of all, I make oh, homemade yeah. chai, so I'm like obsessed with cardamom. Oh. And I didn't discover cardamom until I put it in my um kombucha a few years ago when I was Ooh. making kombucha. It's so decadent to me. Mm. Um, I just love it so much, but I think um with what you just said, I think creating. I think mm. physically creating something, like me creating mm. this podcast or writing a book for young yeah. girls, something I didn't know yeah. because I'm like, I don't craft things. Okay. Like yeah. you don't want to see <laughs> me. I can't commit to a cross stitch. I can make a yeah. two-hour like painted board if you take me yeah. and give me wine and chips while I do it. Um <laughs> but I, I would never say I was an artist at all. And now I'm mm. starting to learn that creating brings healing. And mm-hmm. so that's what yeah. would be, you know, that would sort of, Oh, I can't talk. That's what would be happening for those ladies mm-hmm. is it's in the creation, mm-hmm. the physical making of something beautiful. They yeah. start to see how they can do that in their own lives.
1: hundred mm-hmm. right? really percent. And I cool. think that me having the opportunity to write and create that way has been healing in my own life, let mm-hmm. alone, um, hearing their stories because I I said this in a couple interviews uh, around the time of publication that I like every time I interviewed one of the women, I left feeling like I could conquer the world, like there was nothing standing in my way. I was like shoulders back, head up high, (laughs) like that's how I felt. And so like then putting that into writing, that creating process of uh, trying to convey that type of feeling to others um, That was healing for me as well. So I feel like it's a ripple effect. I definitely agree with you that creating can be so healing. It like draws out something in you that just yeah. is like, yeah, it's so good. Yeah. I don't even know how to say it. We were both like, yeah, yeah that thing. Just- <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm so new to feeling
0: that. Like I never mm. realized, but I think any time, I think hope is just so
1: um, contagious. Mm right yeah possibility that's ability is so contagious yeah which is such, 100% such a good thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah it um honestly we actually say that a lot hope is contagious
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: think that's something that's so um I've never worked in a place like luminary where It's full of women from all different backgrounds. And there's just a sense that even when you don't think you can do something, you can still do something because it's not you doing it. There's like Mm -hmm. five, six other women behind you, you know, like it's not like an individual workplace. It's very much community family driven. And I think that's really unique. And that also in itself presents hope. Yeah. Um, let alone what else takes place and connection. Cause we're so mm. wired for connection. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Which is why you're creating this brilliant podcast.
0: That's really brilliant.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> so going
0: back to um, kind of explaining a lot of people might not know what a social enterprise is. Can you
1: kind of explain mm. that about the bakery? Yeah. So we are a business business and a charity, which is a fun combination (laughs) for those listeners working in a business charity mindset. But we have two bakeries in London and, uh, part, everything kind of like is fluid when it comes to the charity and business. You know, the business supports the charity and the, the charity plays into the business. So we are always seeking out ways to offer, um, opportunities to apprentice as well as career opportunities within our own bakery for graduates from the programs that we offer so that it's a continuity so our programs that we offer are not just training and baking but as I said in entrepreneurial but then beyond graduation there's support that continues to help into the like Okay, now I've graduated. I feel like all universities needs this, but yes. <laughs> beyond graduation, it's like now what? We yeah. provide that support and continuity to help reestablish yourself in independence. And I think, um, and and therefore, that could be apprenticing kind of within the bakery or at a different contact place, a different bakery. Or you know, furthering your entrepreneurial skills to then you know start your own business. Some of the women have started businesses outside of the cooking, baking world. Um, you know, that there's just lots of opportunities there. And so, uh, being a charity and a business, there's lots of logistics that go into that. But there's such a beauty and fluidity about it um, that helps um, different parts of it function.
0: So then so women (laughs) women come and they are, you know, in a really hard place and luminary basically like helps guide them back to being a part of well to being contributing members of society, basically, and gives them like a hope and a future.
1: Yeah. So and and they'll be in all different stages. So some some women um will be, you know, seeking an opportunity to start a career within the baking world. Some Mm. are just looking for hope yeah. so it's it's bear it's varying in um you know like as as all women are we vary in different stages of our lives and and so it's not necessarily um coming you know if they've been in prison or they're coming out of the um criminal justice system and coming directly in or they could have been out for ages you know it's one of the stories that is shared at the introduction of rising hope um she had been trafficked as a child she withheld that information for majority of her adulthood until her depression and um you know mental health was really starting to struggle and then it was uh, found out her doctor you know, informed her of what took place. And then she sought the help. So then it was like, you know, it's, it's a totally different stage of life. um, But still coming, looking for hope and, and assistance and independence.
0: That's incredible. I just, I, no one is beyond redemption. That's what I always think, you know, and, um, and that's just, I, I get, I don't even mean, have to ask why you want to be a part of this. Like I'm like, yeah. can I move to London and come and be a part of this? Um, yes. yeah, it's just absolutely just beautiful and spectacular and such a gift to the world. Mm-hmm. Like all oh my stars. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for sharing about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want everyone to go buy that cookbook and I am going to like, say more things on my Instagram about buying this cookbook and stuff because I just Thank think you. it's amazing. So I want to talk a little bit about you. So I remember you as a teenager from small town Manitoba coming to my look oh, yeah. my cool you know like bachelorette's pad.
1: Um, oh yeah. Where, where
0: I lived with your sister Chelsea who I adore. Um, mm-hmm. You were so different back then mm-hmm. but I mean it's been 15 years so like yeah. <laughs> Think Thank I'm, goodness I've changed. <laughs> I'm probably a little a little different too. Um, yeah. But can you tell us a little bit about your journey as, from like, and your mindset, how your mindset might have shifted over time from like small town girl to like big city living in London, yeah. England? Um, can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Okay. Um, well, first off, that move was the most painful move I've ever made. And I think, um, it looks easy now because most people that know me think I'm a city girl, which is hilarious. Cause I was so small. Like I love small town. I love my farm like that. I grew up on like that. I adored that. I didn't want to live in the city, wasn't interested. And so the, the, the move from Manitoba to London was Every ounce of courage and bravery it took yeah. for me to do that. And um, like, I think it's almost painful, like physically painful sometimes when you're stepping out and you know, and I knew it was the right thing. I knew it was the right thing. Everything within me knew it was right, but it also didn't make it easy. Right. And I think we have this tendency and I definitely was not necessarily raised but surrounded by that tendency that if it's hard it might not be right right and i think that's sort of, that's that can be such a detriment especially to like the you know our generation and the next generation coming up that 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 could be um that if it's hard it must be right wrong and if it's um good it must be right and that oh, those are both these negative things yeah um, because, um, you know, so many decisions I've had to make in my career, it's like, it's fitting, it makes sense, this is good, but it didn't mean it was right, right. for me to step into, right? Because if we could do everything that was good, we'd be, you know, like I've learned from yeah. burnout experience <laughs> just yeah. because it's good doesn't mean it's right for you. Yeah, um, <laughs> um, you know, and that can play out in so many different factors. We could get into that later, but, um, you know, <laughs> but I think it took every ounce of courage and bravery for me to do that. But what's hugely significant is when I got to London the impact of me stepping out that had on my life. It was really hard that first year because London isn't the most welcoming city. Most cities can be, you know, disengaging um, in general because there's so many people London is very transient. It's very uh, individualistic city. And um, I was on my own for like that first year and you know, I definitely was like, this was dumb. What am I doing with my life? (laughs) I quit. I'm leaving like full out meltdown crying on my, I was going to say crying on my face, but legitimately like flat out. I was a wreck that first year. And I think it was a lot of like, you know, how we were just like talking about the drawing out process of like drawing out that empowerment and that, like the courage and everything. I think that was what was taking place. Something Mm -hmm. that was in me, but I had hit but it had been hidden under fear and um yeah that's so you know for like so many years was being tackled and um every time I think of bravery and courage I think of the the fearless girl in New York City that's in front of the bowl. Do you know oh okay. the, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like sculpture. Yeah. And she like has her hands on her hips and she's just like confidently like superwoman pose. Yeah. Um, you know, with her skirt like flowing and everything. Um, and I think of that because it literally was I was coming face to face with every single fear that had blocked me from like moving forward. And mm-hmm. I think if we, do, it, you know, as you mentioned at the beginning, the like difference of who I am, you know, it's not just because I'm older <laughs> that I'm different, but I think like, I was so scared. Ah. I was such a scared and timid person when I first met you, Jody. Um, You know, and even then I had like first embarked on like leaving high school. Like I right. just started going to college. You know, I, it was like, even then I was still like, so driven by fear. And now I have found that over the last nine years of being in London, I'm no longer driven by fear, but driven by courage. And that means that I come Mm -hmm. face to face with fear all the time because you cannot be driven by courage without facing fear. And it's just kind but it's different now. It's not the painful ache. Sometimes it is, let me tell you, but (laughs) sometimes it's, (laughs) some of those fears really are ingrained. Um, But you know, other times it's kind of like, actually, um, you you see women around you, you see um, men around you that are tackling things that you're trying to tackle and when you mm. see them doing that with their head held high you suddenly feel this lift off okay i can do it and you start right. facing it and facing it and you you almost grow in seeking courage and bravery um, 100% rather than fear
0: 100% and i think that's the whole premise for this podcast i want mm. someone to hear you do something and they're like Oh my word I've dreamt of having some sort of business like this that helps you know bring marginalized people and like that you know like I want yeah. someone to hear this and be like wow mm-hmm. that's possible and courage is also so contagious and i have to yeah. say when we first chatted about this mm. recording you talked about the anxiety you felt the week before the rising hope was released
1: mm, and, yeah.
0: uh, and and that was your even even just your vulnerability and your honesty um with me to admit that because i think a lot of times mm. people want to act like they did this, they were like a self-made person or, you know, yeah. they did this themselves and whatever. But when you told me that, and then I felt the mm-hmm. week before my podcast came out, I was like, I want to barf. I want to crawl in a hole. I want to die. I don't yeah. want to be here anymore. Um, I thought about you and I thought about mm-hmm. you saying, cause I wouldn't have wanted you to not release rising hope. Cause you were scared. Yeah. Right. And then I yeah. thought about that and like how much this cookbook from the money that it, it raises literally will change the world. And so I thought about that. And then I'm like, imagine she hadn't done that because that week before she's like the fact that I feel gross, the fact that I'm covered in anxiety must mean I should stop. No, it's like I had that feeling and I was like, this is normal. This is a normal Mm -hmm. feeling when you're releasing something vulnerable that you've created into the world that is normal. So you normalized that Mm -hmm. for me and gave me more Mm -hmm. courage to release the podcast, right? So it's just, it's so cyclical and it's so Mm -hmm. contagious. And so I'm so excited even to hear you say about stepping up into courage or like I have some things today that I'm like nervous about. Mm -hmm. And I started my day with prayer and I was like, okay, like Mm -hmm. I, this is, this is just going to be what it is, but I'm going to look at it as an opportunity instead of um, a crappy or thing that's happening or a stressful thing that's happening. It's an opportunity today for me to grow right yeah. and and so i think that is so cool to hear you talk about that and how that just continues every person that yeah. you talk to every story that you share um yeah. that just helps other people see it because even as you went to college i think you had said before it was a really tiny college like you were like yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> how small I think there was can like i 50 say 50 students <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's so funny. That's so funny. So, and you went to work. What did you go to London to do originally?
1: So, um, originally uh, to be a charity worker, and I was working. My first role ever was to work with a Christian charity that was working alongside the 2012 Olympics. So, I was in charge of, yeah, I was in charge of um connecting with all the churches in the UK in the whole of the UK that the torch relay was running by oh wow and the idea was to ask churches to spend that use that opportunity to engage with their community so not say come into our church building But go out into your community and love and care for your community, Um, and we trained them and offered them resources and everything. I think I had like twelve hundred churches I was in contact with, and it was amazing because some churches really they reached out to all churches in the whole community and said, "Let's do something." Some reached out to the like council and the and asked them for assistance, and they like put on like some towns went all out and it was just because this idea of looking outside the walls Mm -hmm. and 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 bringing kind of like we've been talking about a sense of hope you you know utilizing celebration is such a beautiful thing because I think you can really use that as an opportunity to um, share love and share hope because Mm -hmm. celebration people are open to that and um so yeah I worked with them and um that was what I originally went over to do and then from there it progressed continuing doing charity work um working in a church to working um and i my first was in a pub church um <laughs> that's church, the kind of church i want to, go to
0: can i have yeah. some dry ribs or bangers and mash or whatever you have over there <laughs> and a beer and learn about jesus i would love that that would be the best yeah
1: there was a lot of people that were quite keen um especially cuz we met during happy hour yeah. which is <laughs> Which caused for some interesting conversations.
0: (laughs) I think that's good. I think that's, that's super cool. So that is like really neat. And I love what you said about the churches coming together over celebration, because let's not just come together over our differences. That's, I think usually, yeah, that's really cool. Okay. So back to you. Um, So (laughs) your your circumstances can define you. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think that that's probably what, like growing up in such a small area, being on a farm, you know, um. Mm -hmm. tiny, tiny, like I would say not even towns in Manitoba because you tell people (laughs) in other provinces and they're like, what, where is that? Um, blink and you miss it. Um, but I think that, yeah, there was just, it's so cool that there was just a bigger plan for your life.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so can you take us a little bit on the journey of what led you to be become an author and start really like writing articles for different websites and, um writing in this cookbook because
1: yes yeah where how did that come about well um i've been writing since i was a kid like uh, since I could write basically, okay. uh, proof comes in the tiny little copies of things that my mom kept that likes uh-huh. to bring out when guests are visiting. Um, <laughs> That's so cute. um, they, they are very entertaining. Um, she sent me one and I read it to my flatmates here. Um, and they laughed. It was like Charlie and the gooby, oh. um, was the name of the story. <laughs> It's a natural talent. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> um But yeah, so, and when we would look at gifts for our teachers, I would want to write a story. Like, that was something that was okay. so, something I'm, like, really loved doing. But I think, like, I don't, I can't pinpoint when I stopped, but I stopped. Um, I didn't even journal. I, like, it just ended. Um, And it wasn't until I started when I moved to London did I start writing again because I was fundraising. So I fundraise my salary um, to do the work I do in London. And part of that is you wanna keep people up to date. And I love sharing stories. That's something I'm really passionate about um, to help people feel connected um, to each other, whether you're halfway across the world or you're next door neighbor. Um, So I started a blog, um just like for an update. so i that was kind of like from day 1 of london until um recently i was updating that blog and then in um i had a really rough year in 2017 um just came across came into some particular situations that um pushed me to the brink of like second-guessing myself and I think if anyone has been in that moment where you start second-guessing who you are it's a really rough place to be because I like there are so many questions and that came up and so I was put on a kind of sabbatical for a couple months in 2018 to kind of just you know, there is like trauma involved in everything and I needed to recover and heal. And perfectly, this talks works into what we were talking about, how creating can be healing. Right. Um, I had in, uh, yeah, so in 2018, I went to go visit a friend in Ireland and I felt this like need within me to write. I can't explain it, but I felt this need. And I went to go visit my friend in Ireland and it was just like during the sabbatical time. So I was just chilling, hanging out in Dublin, eating great food, walking around. And, um, I one night sat up all night and wrote like five short stories oh, because wow. it was like my brain, just like, it was just coming out. And I think like, um, over the span of 2018, I really started exploring that, like what it means to write and I'll be honest with you, I didn't share any of it. I just wrote yeah. it for me. And a lot of um, artists um, in all different spectrums will say you need to write for yourself or you need to create for yourself, not mm. just for promo. And I think that's the hindrance we have with social media right nice. now is promo is easy, accessible. So now you're only creating to promote. but Sometimes you just have to create for yourself. And I think that's really powerful. And so I spent like 2018 just writing and writing. And, um, and then uh, one of my friends who had recently started Iridescent Women, um, were, they were looking for contributors and writers and she reached out and I had visited her in New York City and she suggested that I write something. And I was like, oh yeah, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> so anyways... <laughs> yeah like I'm a writer for sure yeah whatever um and it wasn't until um so she made that offer in September and it wasn't until December that I had uh, a moment where I'm like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna write an article and I'm going to send it to them to see if they'll accept it and. Maybe publish it. So it was like a really big moment for me. And the the piece that I chose, Jody, I love this. Um, it's called sneak attack dating. Oh, yes.
0: <laughs> like it's because. 20s. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> but I had had all these like random conversations with people who had experienced going hanging out platonically. With someone, and halfway through questioning if they were on a date, it was like a like that moment that you suddenly are like, they're looking at me weird, or like they're doing something out of character that you're suddenly like, oh, it's like that (laughs) that weird Hollywood moment that they zoom in on, but and you're all like, that's so cheesy, but it actually does happen in real life, and you're like, I think that's the best Um, way to date. Where you're like yeah. your heart all crazy and you're just like really being yourself. I feel like they should just make that a
0: movement. Sneak attack dating. Yeah. That's super smart. There
1: you go. There you go. Next, next book. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um so I wrote about this and I remember it took me an hour and I was done. The editing process though, oh, yeah, of oh, me going okay. through it. <sighs> ooh, that was brutal because then fear right yeah who's gonna see this what like have i like exposed anyone it was about the quirkiness of dating because dating dating is like is weird (laughs) it gets sometimes it fabulous and weird um and so i went in and i overthought it overthought a month a month of editing it was so perfectionist (laughs) driven so i submitted it into iridescent and i like got an email within a day they loved it they were like this is amazing we're publishing it um you know then and oh my goodness it was like the response i got people like i got messages like from people they're like oh my gosh this is like i now have a word to explain what i have experienced and i think that was like it was like it comes back to you to what you're doing now jody you know, that anxiety before tackling this podcast and promoting it and publishing it. Yeah. But I'm sure you received responses and, um, you know, you'll continue because I know what you're doing is really good and really needed um, a podcast about reality and about um, just being authentic. Um, and genuine, Mm -hmm. and hilarious, because, thank you, yeah, (laughs) but, you know, like, it's something, you're like, oh, oh, I feel like this is actually, okay, I can take the next step, and the next step, and I think now I have, like, a dozen articles that I've written for Iridescent, and then that year is when Luminary approached me to write the, you know, the cookbook, so it's like, there's so many steps that we take and we don't know exactly what will yeah. come out. But by taking that one step of courage and that one step of bravery, that like can can bring out opportunities that if that fear was still there, you'd say no to. Totally. But because that courage is there, you're like, oh, why not? Let's yeah. try. If I fail, you know, a lot of the reasons why we don't is because we we fear failure. But when we feel courageous and brave and empowered, that failure doesn't stand out as mm-hmm. the obstacle. It's not it, totally. it's there, but it's not like in your way. No, so, I think that's and incredible. I would I would also highlight that those those years of recovery and healing were centered in prayer. Okay. I think that was a huge part of how I was able to. Um, receive courage and bravery to do what I needed, and and to do what I wanted, um, to create and everything like that. It was every day was sometimes they consisted of. So I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next time it will be like five pages in a journal of prayer, <laughs> you yeah. know. But a lot of the days were like I'm here. Yeah. And I think so often, um,
0: I think people who have never prayed,
1: I always say Mm -hmm. like,
0: like you just start talking like, Hey God, I'm here. That's perfect. And I think so often, you know, um, I always have a quote. In every episode. So I didn't pick one for today because it it was too early and I'm like, still sound like (laughs) Diana Crawl. But one of the things is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And one of my thoughts is, is one of my favorite prayers is just like, God, help me. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be like, I think people who didn't grow up, um, knowing about prayer didn't, you know, it's just not part of their life. I know someone who calls himself Mm -hmm. an agnostic and he said, I'm not an agnostic. I'm a, I'm an agnostic. I was literally ignorant Mm -hmm. of anything to do with any sort of faith background. So he calls Mm -hmm. himself an agnostic, which I don't know if that's actually a word, (laughs) but he's really smart. So it probably is a word, but that's where it's like my, my best advice to someone is just to be like, Hey God, I'm here show me that you're real. Are you here? Like, and, and just keep, keep doing that. And what you start to notice is it becomes like one of the best ways to refocus your day. One of the best ways to, um, because I think there are a lot of people that think I don't run on my own strength at all. Like, and when I try is she gets real tired pretty quick. (laughs) She doesn't have all that much in her on her own. You know what I mean? And so I think that's, that's really cool. Um, and Yeah, I love that you started writing that way. I've also never considered myself a writer, but I know that I, Mm. and I still probably don't at all, but I know I have a message that I want to get out into the world and what's the easiest way to get that out. So at first I thought it was video and now I'm like, no, I think it might be writing. So iridescent mm. women is a website that you had um, a movement really that you had directed me mm. to go check out and I was like floored when I read their website. Yeah. And so then and then the the founder was like, Do you wanna write an article, Jody? And then I was like, I'm gonna take a week to respond because I just like <laughs> oh my gosh. And then, um, and then she wrote me again and said, these are some topics you could share on. And I like read the list and I'm like, oh my goodness, like there's like two topics and I'm like, I want to write two articles. And I still haven't responded to her because I like want to be sick. And I'm like, I'm not a writer. So it's really cool when, um, these things keep knocking on your door. Mm. And a lot of times I think when you said, when you felt that feeling inside of you, and I think people feel it. And I notice it when I just want to, um, numb out, say watch Netflix mm. or um yeah. certain things. I'll notice when I want to numb out that there's actually something inside me that I know needs to be expressed, mm. but I'm like avoiding it. And so how it just yeah. the knock just keeps knocking. And I just think mm-hmm. that's really cool. Um yeah. so um to, mm. I'm gonna ask you some of my last questions here.
1: Um, okay, what would you want the world to know from your story? It's really weird what popped into my head, but um I think keep the conversation going, not in the way of talking, but is in communicating. So whether that's in prayer, like we were talking about, or with others, I posted a quote uh, recently on my Instagram that says, um, silence is a thief of empowerment. And I really think there is an aspect of that um, where silence is, is beautiful that's not taking away from the beauty of silence and stillness. Um, But I do think that the conversation needs to continue, you know, the passing from one generation to the next, similarly to what you're trying to do, Jodi, with like writing the book and um, introducing your listeners to women all over the world um, that, you know, in their stories and their struggles, Um, I guess, keeping the conversation moving and going, whatever that looks like. Yeah. What's the biggest
0: obstacle you experienced along the way in your last nine years?
1: (sighs) Well, um, so uh, my health. Um, I I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia um, when I was 27. So very um, statistically, it's usually over 40. You're diagnosed oh, okay. with it, so I'm quite young on the, on in that regard. I also had chronic fatigue at the time, um, but I will tell you, it's going to sound crazy to some listeners, but I was healed through prayer. Really? I have, it was a very beautiful moment where these two ladies from my church prayed specifically for healing, and the next day I woke up and then for the first time in six months. I didn't nap the whole entire day because normally I could get up in the morning. It would be about two hours to getting to work because it would take that much time to get up and I'd have four hours with work and then I'd be in bed by 2 PM until the next day. And that was kind of my life for, um, while handling the, the pain of fibromyalgia, um, which is a chronic pain illness for those that don't know. And, um, you know, like that diagnosis at um, 27, you you know, was probably the most painful thing to experience because I watched my mom struggle with it. Right. And um, growing up, watching a parent, you know, fight to be the best parent they can possibly be while struggling with some of the worst, um, you know, painful experiences. I think like, it's kind of like your nightmare coming true totally Uh, and and I think like that's been my biggest obstacle because mentally I have dreams I have so many things that I want to do with my life and I'm so excited but it's day to day you know some days I wake up and it's not going to be that day but then the next day I wake up and it's that day um and so you know, like coming back to that whole aspect of, of prayer and um, empowerment, watching women who have struggled with whatever it is, if it's physical, if it's mental, or you know, like situational, uh, or even spiritual
0: struggle, even to fight
1: to keep going, yeah, yeah. Sexual, yeah, yeah, um, fight to keep going, fight to for a better life. That determination has been a huge part. Of how I've been able to work through the obstacle because the obstacle is still there every day. Mm-hmm. But um, I I say this a lot in my articles. I'm quite a determined person slash stubborn. The jury's still out. We don't know. But <laughs> but I'm very determined um, that it's not going to be an obstacle. So even if it is one day, even if that day is bad and I just have to stay in bed for most of it because of the pain or whatever, it's always thinking, well, tomorrow will be good. Today is bad, but tomorrow will be good, you know, and make the most of it. Like, okay, I have to stay in bed all day. What are we going to do here? (laughs) COVID actually presented a nice opportunity to...
0: (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) The high points of COVID being forced to stay home in your bed all day. Right.
1: (laughs) What can we do? (laughs) What can we do?
0: No, I think that's, I think that's really amazing because I think that you could have at 27 or 28, Mm -hmm. just been like lost all hope for anything. Mm -hmm. And I think the, the importance of mindset Can't be said enough. My favorite thing to get curious about is if I'm like, Mm. this is gonna be a crappy day. Yeah, it will. It'll totally be a crappy day. And my assistant manager yesterday said, this is gonna be a hell of a week. And I Mm. said, okay. I said, but how does that, how does, like, you're not wrong. There's a lot happening this week. You're totally right. But how does saying that serve you? Mm. Right? So, yeah, I can say it's gonna be just a hell of a week. Okay. Or I could be like, okay. this is going to, this, this will be a tough week. What can I do? How can I take care of myself in a way that's like the best way to set myself up every day, prepping my meals ahead, making sure I get a little bit of sunshine, like 10 minutes, whatever, you know, like what can, then you get focused on, the positive mindset thing. So if mm. if, I, if I want this to be a good week still, I probably need to get 8 hours of sleep. If I want this yeah. to be a good week still, I probably need to drink my water. I'm probably going to try mm. and like take a few minutes to, you know, have a little bit of time to myself. But I think you're, it's so cool that you um still have a bit of that struggle. Maybe not like how you said you were healed like it wasn't it's not as debilitating maybe as it yeah. was, but recognizing that that your mindset is like a huge part of it. And then when you know you're mm. having a day where you're going to be in bed even deciding still like, Oh, I'm going to binge watch that show on Netflix. I've been waiting to see, right. Taking advantage of that. Um, okay. So last questions. Yes. What is one
1: thing you would tell your 16 year old self? Oh, so much. Um, (laughs) I know (laughs) so funny because I've been thinking about this for a while about like what, you know, the idea of what you would tell your younger self. Um,
0: you know what I would tell myself? I'm gonna tell you right now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You go. I, I, this isn't actually for me to answer, but now that you're thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, I have to say, don't worry about boys Um, because I feel like a young girl's entire, like seriously, I started in like preschool. I was like, Francis, Let's get married. Um, I'm not even joking. (laughs) His name was Francis. We were in preschool together, I think. I came home and said, like, he was Filipino. And I was like, okay, so I'm obviously going to have children with this person. And I said to my mom, what would our kids be if, you know, he's Filipino and I'm Canadian? My mom said, (laughs) canapinos. (laughs) <laughs> Best ever. anyway i loved francis um but the thing i think of and it, i laugh but so many young yeah. girls their whole focus mm. is i want to be picked yeah i just yeah. want to be picked because in some way if someone picks me that validates me that means mm-hmm. i'm worth it that means I, that gives me meaning well it doesn't mm-hmm. and so i think if i had known if i could have known that i was going to meet my husband at 26 mm-hmm. and i could have just like hung out but instead, that pursuit of like, "Well, I need to get married, because if someone marries me, that means I have value. And it's just absolutely absurd. Um, and I think your partner will add to your life, mm. but you're not a puzzle missing a piece. No one yeah. completes you. A human yeah. being doesn't complete you. Um, and so that's where I think that that's what I would tell myself is, don't worry about ways. Mm. And I think yeah. I could have done so much more with my career and different things if my yeah. focus wasn't on that other thing. So that's what I'd tell 16 year old Jody today. It changes all the time, but yeah.
1: I, I like that honestly, because, um, you know, I had a plan Mm -hmm. for what my life was going to look like. I was supposed to be married and my kids were supposed to be like teenagers by now. Um, but that is not the case yet. I'm still living a brilliant life. So I think, you know, we have to work through all those things, but if, We had someone telling us that at that age, that would have been really helpful. Right. Um, I know what I would tell myself. Balance asking yourself, what will they think with what do I want? Mm. Because I always was thinking about what anyone else would think of me. Right. To the point where by the time I got to my 20s, I didn't actually know what I wanted. Right. You they know, can I, was, I was a chameleon. Yeah. And I think like Chelsea won't mind me sharing this. <laughs> Chelsea, my older sister is, um, she's n- like been quite a determined, know what she wants type of person. That's kind of like, obviously she had everyone's type of, you know, insecurities and everything, but she was way more like that than I was. And we always conflicted. And I remember her one time in the middle of a really intense teenager fight being like, what do you want? I think in that moment, she was so annoyed with me, like adapting to what everyone else wanted, that she just wanted me to know what I wanted for myself and I couldn't answer her. And it wasn't until like being in London for a while did I start to, you know, begin to know, oh, I like this. I don't like this. And being okay actually saying that you know when someone's like um asked you how a movie was and you're like yeah what did you think and they're like oh uh, it wasn't that good and you're like oh yeah totally it totally wasn't good
0: it's <laughs> super lame yeah
1: yeah it's like yeah, your favorite course. movie I thought, yeah <laughs> you're like crying inside yeah <laughs> but yeah I would say balance the what will they think with what do I want so that you know i think there has to be a balance there because it can't always be what do i want because then you exclude people from the conversation others from but if you're you know balancing it i think you then start discovering what you want in community Mm. versus what you want on your own I love that. I'm like, like,
0: but I think a lot of times what the world says is freedom. What the world Mm -hmm. says is liberation for women to me, isn't, it doesn't matter what people think. And then I was like, no, because certain people, you decide the value they hold. Mm -hmm. Like if all feedback is neutral, but you Mm -hmm. take the feedback and you're like, I'm curious about this feedback. Do I want to Mm -hmm. actually, do I want to believe it or do I want to not? But I think that means Mm -hmm. yeah, like true liberation and true freedom isn't living without boundaries and rules. It isn't doing everything you want. And I don't think that would give you a really good life. I always feel like the world says you should just sleep with lots of people because that's freedom and that's, that's liberation. And I'm like, no, that is like syphilis and gonorrhea and a broken heart. (laughs) And I feel like, but I feel like the world paints a totally different picture. Mm -hmm. And so I think that is a really cool way to say it because I don't think doing what you want your whole life all the time is it's not liberation and that's not freedom. Yeah. Um, but what does it mean for the community and what does it mean, um, for who you're in relationship with and stuff as well? Yeah. Um, what is saving your sanity right now?
1: Right now I am in a COVID positive house. So my flatmate tested positive for COVID. And so we're in isolation. We're all fine everyone who's wondering there were very mild symptoms but we have not been able to leave the house because the regulations in the uk say you can't leave the house for 14 days so we are in day 11 and (laughs) and you would think i i think in some ways we may be insane but my flatmates are Saving my sanity. We literally last night. The funnest thing we did is we went on Amazon, bought those candles that you burn in your ear to get all the weird earwax out, and that's what we (laughs) did last night. I wanted to do that my whole life. We are so thrilling right now.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love that. I've always wanted to do that with my ears, and that's that's like I would say your sister saved my sanity in my twenties. Like. Mm -hmm. We would go home and truthfully, we would smoke a cigarette and drink a Diet Coke. And then we would melt a craft single over a top of like eight nachos because we didn't want to (laughs) get eight. And we would like, just like, we just loved each other. We would just sit and chat about our day. And that is like having community like that Mm -hmm. with other women is, Thing. And we still, we did have a really mad yelling argument one time in the kitchen about milk and who had mm. shared the milk and like neither mm. of us drink milk, I'm sure at all right now, which is so funny, but for whatever yeah. reason, there was a huge yelling argument about the milk, but you overcome those things. And then you sit on the front mm. step with a cigarette and a diet Coke or some really disgusting nachos and mm. Those are great memories and I love yeah, that your are. flatmates are saving your sanity. And now I'm gonna make my husband candle my ears. Um also that. Mm. So I think that's awesome. It's strange. It it's also disgusting, but it streams. <laughs> that's awesome. No, I think that's awesome. Um, where can my listeners find you?
1: Ah, yes, I am on Instagram at Kayla H Johnson. Um and also I have a website where all my publications are, which is Kayla H. Awesome! So everyone, go give her a follow. Oh, and and um, you can also check out luminarybakery.com We keep it simple. You don't know, <laughs> you know exactly how to search for us. Awesome. Um, yeah, luminary bakery on Instagram. Well, this is awesome.
0: I absolutely love you. I, I'm just like so thrilled about everything that you're doing over there. And sometime I'm gonna come over there.
1: I'm gonna come over yes. there. Yes.
0: And I'm gonna eat fried fish with you or something. Mm. And um, some gluten-free and Maybe we'll baking. have 10 nachos. Maybe we'll have 10, ten. nachos. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I'm 38 now. Like I can eat a whole yeah. pan by myself. I've really grown in my, like, I have such good skills. I have such good skills, but no, I am so excited about the work that Luminary Bakery is doing in the world. I'm so excited that you're sharing your gifts. I think it's oh, it's just such a cool story to think of where you, where you were to where
1: you are now and the Mm -hmm. life that you just keep stepping into every day. Yeah. Thank you, Jodi. I am so honored to be on your podcast. It's been such a gift to be able to chat with you, laugh because I knew this was going to be fun and also just like share and hopefully bring some, some hope and encouragement to your listeners. Thanks for being on the podcast, Kayla.
0: What a beautiful message of hope. I hope you all go and buy this Luminary Bakery cookbook. I got mine on Amazon and I am so excited to stay in touch with the Luminary Bakery and see what they are doing in the lives of women, bringing hope and peace to people's hearts. That matters, you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Please share this podcast with a friend, rate and review it, and I hope you have a great start to December.